0: Welcome to A Matter of Principles, a podcast from the Association of Washington School Principals. My name is Roz Thompson, Director of Government Relations and Advocacy at AWSP. Today I'd like to introduce you to some of the members of the National Association of Elementary School Principals Task Force on Race and Equity. This task force was formed in the summer of 2020 after the murder of George Floyd and its purpose is to help advise NAESP and school leaders on issues related to racial equity in school communities, reveal common challenges and solutions, and support a peer-to-peer network. Led by Dr. Kimbrell Barbosa-Lewis, a principal in Tennessee and past president of NAESP, this group recently spoke with school leaders in Washington at our virtual Fall Well Summit, Women in Education, Leading and Learning Dr. Lewis is joined by Denise Gamble, principal from Illinois, Annette Sanchez, principal in Texas, Nancy Antoine, principal in Minnesota, and Dr. Cynthia Hammond, principal in Georgia. We thank all of them for their time and expertise and hope you enjoy our discussion.
1: I hope you are doing well today. I know it's very early there. It's 945 here in Tennessee, and so I can only imagine uh, the enthusiasm you have to join and make sure that you have opportunity for your own personal wellness and growth, uh, getting up so early and being a part of this. So thank you for allowing us uh, to share with you some of our stories and our work uh, as members of the National Task Force on Race and Equity. My name is Kimbrell Barbosa-Lewis, and I'm the immediate past president of NASP, I am a principal in West Tennessee in Cordova, Tennessee, which is just outside of Memphis for another week and a half. Uh, I will be, tr- be transi- transitioning out of principalship, moving to another state and taking on a new role pretty soon. I am really excited about um, what we're going to share. Ross asked us to re-deliver and share what we got to present this summer. We had a really packed session and many, many people didn't get to to see and hear the work that NESP is doing on race and equity. So we are so, so excited to be with you today. Uh, my Our colleague, uh, uh, Nancy Antoine, is going to join me in this next part. We're going to do the introduction, and each person has a part that we're going to share, and then we will take a Q&A at the end and uh, spend some time just in dialogue with you. All right, Nancy, I'm going to start the slideshow, and then we will get started with the introduction.
2: Sounds good. Um, a lot of this, a lot of the work we're, we're doing is based on um, a lot of the real things that we've been dealing with in our schools across the country. And so some people ask, you know, why, why is it that we do this work? Well, I tell you what, our students and our, and our staff um, and our administrators across our country are facing some challenges that not everyone has the opportunity to face every day. And when we talk about those little, those little things like that, um, just the, just a couple couple of experiences being being a biracial uh, principal in the state of Minnesota. Um, you 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 know that the, the lift is heavy at times, and we have to stand in the gap for our students because they are so important um, in, in terms of, of guiding them towards success. But the little things that we endure during the during the course of our time, um, the fact that you know, um, my my house has been vandalized, my cars have been vandalized, um, I have received hate mail, and people just trying trying to make sure they knock you off your your game. But I tell you what, we've got to stand in there and make sure that we we're not allowing those things to um, divert us from our true mission, which is to um, take our kids to another level. So that's kind of the why that we do our work, because we need to make sure that we that we um, highlight the fact that these things are happening. And we also need people to understand that we um, can be that that support for them, and that sounding board for them, and also look to make things better for everyone, because we are much stronger together.
1: One quick note, and um, knowing Nancy, you all should know that Nancy lives just a few miles from where George Floyd was murdered. And um, NESP formed this task force immediately after that because our nation was, is in turmoil. And that highlighted what is actually happening to people around our country, people of color around our country. And so the task force wanted to address the issues related to racial equity in our communities and in our schools. And as a task force, we want to collect information on racial equity in schools. We wanna elevate the research and determine how as task force members and the association, how we can best support you as principals and give you all of the information and tools to help support um, racial equity within our schools. So these are our task force members. Uh, I'm going to share the top row, Nancy, if you want to share the bottom row. And I'll highlight who's here with us today. So I'm, uh, of course, on the task force, I'm the chair. Erica McLaughlin is a member. Uh, Just to let you know, these members represent all nine zones of NESP. So they are your representatives. They are representatives from my area and all areas across the country because all of those voices and what we all experience every day is really important. Nicole Moore-Sampson, Denise Gamble, who is with us here today from Illinois, Ed Cosentino, Cynthia Hammond, who's here with us today from Georgia.
2: Then we have Jeremy Patterson and myself, obviously, Annette Sanchez, who is here as well, Sean Campbell, Thomas Payton, and Liza Car- Car- Caraboya Suarez <laughs> from New York, of course.
1: Yes, So uh, we're gonna get ready to uh, transition over to the next part. Um, And Denise is going to tell us a bit about our implicit assessment uh, results that we took last year, last fall and winter, and talk a little bit about the PD opportunities that have been
3: available. Okay, thank you, Kim. Uh, This was really um, a, a, a great opportunity to participate in this assessment and to work with Project Implicit. Uh, This particular assessment was customized for NAESP members. And initially we had anticipated opening up the assessment of November 12th and going until I think about December 2nd. And it ended up being extended until December 9th. But we, after having numerous meetings With the task force members, uh, we knew that we needed to get more in depth information in terms of how the membership was thinking and feeling. Because as we know, uh, it's impossible to make change without knowing what we need to address in order to deal with change. Okay. So looking at some of the Uh, information that we were able to receive receive as a result. There were about 735 members from NAESP that actually participated. And uh, the results were, in some cases, interesting, but not surprising. And it gave us an opportunity to look at how, as individuals, we feel about different uh, ethnic groups. So again, it's specifically looked at African-American and European-American uh, individuals. And it's important to also remember that when you take an assessment like this, depending upon what's going on with you personally at any given time, your individual results may very well look different so some of the, the questions that came out when we initially uh, again looked at the first questions uh, again this gave us some very interesting but yet informative information so specifically looking at how if we felt prepared to lead a school culture and to be able to affirm uh, race, ethnicity, as well as cultural backgrounds. And as we know, across the United States, the demographics have changed within our schools. And we have to be aware of not only our students, but our families and our communities. So, looking at how people felt that they were not at all prepared uh came out to about 40 43 percent and that in and of itself speaks volumes uh also having an opportunity to look at how we feel uh, because as we know equity work it's exhausting and it can take a lot out of you so being able to say that you're prepared and that you feel confident that you can go in to your school and implement these practices, that is extremely important. And also keep in mind, this is not a solo event. This has to be done as a team because no one person can take this on by him or herself. And finally, looking at uh, the extent to which your curriculum emphasizes historical contributions. And as we know now, uh, what's happening with critical race theory, it has taken a life of its own. Uh, it has become very political. So we need to really take a look at what our curriculums are, consist of and if they represent our student body. Then we also, within the uh, survey, took a look at um, the curriculum and how it emphasized the contribution contributions from immigrants. And this is really interesting because I'm currently working on an ESL oh. endorsement. And oh. oftentimes we don't realize what, we don't do and what we don't say in terms of representing all of the immigrants within our communities. Uh, The other night, uh, I had an opportunity to go to the opening of a play called Paradise Square that was originally part uh, based upon a true incident that happened in the 1860s in New York. And it's unbelievable from the 1860s to 2021, 2022, we're still talking about the same issues. So we have to make sure that we look at the history, the contributions of everyone that's involved. And finally, making sure that when we do uh, professional learning activities, how much of it are we doing? And is it high quality? And does it specifically address the needs of your particular community? So we need to look at the context for all of our regions within our individual states, And making sure that we can support staff, our teachers. Again, because this, you know, we're stepping out and those individuals need supports. And finally, it was interesting to look to take a look at uh, the gender. If we can go back one slide, please. Looking at the gender, and of course, this is not surprising that there are more females within our profession. Uh, The uh, race, those that identified themselves, uh, this I thought was interesting, that there were uh, fewer people of color that participated in the survey. And again, uh, the schools that participated more suburban schools versus urban schools participated. Next slide.
1: And Denise, I do think it's a very accurate representation of membership in the association, um, this sample of who participated. I'm sorry, for some reason.
3: No, uh, and that makes sense. Yes. And finally, as a result, the task force, this gave us an opportunity to look at what types of professional learning opportunities would best meet the needs of our membership. And of course, at the top, implicit bias. Uh, This is the buzzword. No matter what state you're in, Uh, looking at equity, that cultural awareness piece. And this is, again, so important because our student populations, the demographics, they are changing every day. And looking at restorative practices, as well as as anti-racist issues. And the formats we know uh, can take the form, uh, many different forms. And of course, due to COVID, most of the formats have been within the webinars, uh, videos. There are a lot of free online resources out there, uh, looking at uh, different articles, uh, book studies, reports, uh, the train-the-trainer model, and uh, again, just overall best practices that will benefit uh, your memberships in order to learn about uh, and what we need to do and those next steps. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Denise. And uh, we are really honored that we've gotten to participate and lead several webinars um, and opportunities for conversations around race and equity. Our last webinar was about two weeks ago, and I hope some of you got to participate. And our next webinar will be um, in January. So just to let you know that's coming up. After doing the implicit association uh, assessment with our members, uh, the task force came up with these guiding principles based on what you've shared with us, uh, is important. And and the ultimate goal is for each of us to realize equitable and inclusive education uh, systems throughout our country. So our guiding priorities as a task force are strengthening principles as leaders of equity, school assessment and action planning, so giving you those tools, uh, equity-aligned policy and advocacy agenda. So we have an equity arm, of course, of NESP that continues to um, reflect the work here and the priorities for our principal in advocating, our principals in advocating um, equity throughout um, what is going into law and going into practice for education. So, to give you just a little bit more information about those guiding priorities strengthening principals as leaders of equity, as professionals, we want to help and ensure that principals are in a position to enhance their skill set. The survey showed us that most of our uh, association members that were the sample in that survey don't feel prepared to lead these conversations and change within schools. So we, uh, through the implicit bias research and uh, assessment, it gives us an opportunity to personally reflect on our our biases and our beliefs about race and equity uh, and to explore that, to challenge ourselves to uh, have a more impactful and safe environment that's culturally responsive in our schools. We also want to be able to listen to our students, our faculty and staff, and to also uh, challenge our faculty and staff in having courageous conversations and things that are very, sometimes very difficult to, to address, but necessary in order for us to um, look at race and equity within our school communities. Second uh, guiding priority is school assessment and action planning. We want it to curate tools and customize resources for school leaders. We're going to share a little bit more about two of those resources that are already available to you through NESP that uh, through our research and partnering with a couple of organizations we have we have made available to our uh, members absolutely free. And you'll have an opportunity in just a minute to, to scan um to do a scan to be able to pull those up. And it gives you an opportunity to look at your policies, your practices in your school. Some of the things that we we are now putting a closer lens on, look at the disparities in achievement levels, discipline practices. We know there's a great disparity in who is disciplined more. Uh, and also thinking about things like special education referrals, who has access to digital technology. We know that the pandemic has really shown that divide of who has access. When we talk about curriculum reviews, this is exactly what Denise talked about. This is the touchy subject. Um, I can't tell you uh, enough how I don't like to discuss critical race theory because no one can really tell you what that is. Uh, I feel like those are words that have been used to weaponize uh, thoughts against change and thoughts against truth. Everyone there uh, is in, a, in an area with great, a great Native American presence, and we are all on Native American land. And so there is truth in knowing the history of how that occurred, in knowing how other practices against uh, people of color and uh, who are disenfranchised occurred. So we have to look at our curriculum and where is the truth in that. Also, does it reflect the cultures of our students? So some of the assessments help you to take a look at that. And then school-wide equity, tra- equity training. Once you have these resources, what else can you do with them? How do you help pass that along to your, your teachers and staff and strengthen them as leaders to um, be empowered to recognize the diversity in our school, understand the importance of how that makes our schools so effective um, in programming and reflecting our environment and our, and our communities. And lastly, equity aligned policy and advocacy. All of this work can't go forth without funding and changes in laws and policies. So with all the data that's collected, NESP's advocacy branch uses that to determine professional learning needs and how we can advocate that on the state and national level, how federally funding can be can support principals being trained in the work of equity and uh, race and equity because we know as our survey showed uh, we're just not, we just have not been prepared enough to address these critical, these critical, um, critically important uh, thoughts and practices that need to go into place. All right, so the next part, uh, Annette is going to talk to us about, um, it's about um impact of reduction strategies and the equity audits. Before we go to that, this is an opportunity for you to scan um, the impl- implicit association test. So this is uh, the uh, so, uh, implicit association test through Project Implicit in Harvard that our members took and it was customized for our members. And this gives you access to their website. Their website has a very, uh, has several assessments available to you that look at bias there's one on race and this is the one that was customized for our members the general one is on their website so if you scan this in it will it will take you there okay so annette thanks for y'all annette got kicked off uh their power was out so i'm so glad she was able to join us again
4: uh, perfect. Uh, hello. Um, and, um, you know, the main thing, and I think, you know, it's important just as school leaders, um, you know, to make sure that we're working towards um, equity. Um, and basically, these impact reduction strategies are just a wonderful way, um, you know, to look at what systems are working. Um, and what systems need refinement. Um, so this is for individuals and groups about explaining your decision making, um, you know, being a devil's advocate and questioning. Because I think that's that's the biggest thing: building those relationships, uh, making sure that you're providing PD. Um, we can go on to the next slide. Um, And then all these internal and external uh, strategies. Um, What do you put in your mind? And I think establishing with your staff, establishing with people that all of us have a bias. We have to be conscientious of our own bias first. Um, If you have... If someone says, oh, well, I don't see color, I don't see, they're already making a mistake, you know, because we have to make sure that we're bringing our cultures forward and making sure that uh, we're well-rounded so everyone has biases and we have to figure out what those are so we can better help our students. Project Implicit. um, If you take that, it is very, very um, eye opening. And I had my student, I mean, I have my teachers take this um, test. And it's really, you know, it's really helpful. I'll tell you when I first started um, teaching, I was in my 20s. I had come to a new city um in Texas and I was excited about the first day of school. Um so um I was getting ready to do my class. I got up early in the morning. I went to go do my class and one of the teachers said you know you need to go down to the to the um Beeville ISD um to open a bank account and I said oh okay so I ran down there. Um I was in line behind a, a lady And I was just waiting there and she turns to me. She said, Oh, are you new here? I said, Oh, yes, yes, I I just um, got a job with BISD. She said, Oh, she said, Great. She said, Well, there's nothing wrong with being a custodian. Um, She said, So, you know, you do just do the best job at whatever job. And she just ran out the door and I came up to the lady and she said uh, where are you working I said well I'm working at the elementary I just got hired as a teacher she said why didn't you tell that principal and I said well I just you know going into the uh, to her school um, you know she was at a neighboring school I could tell the demographics of her school and none of her teachers looked like me and she immediately went to her bias of oh you know what this person is a custodian you know, and I'm thinking we need to change that. You know, as leaders, and we need to surround ourselves with people who are different from us because that's the only way we're going to be able to get through those biases. Um, so, Project Implicit did a wonderful job of making sure um, that they did that um, just by going through the through those types of audits. Um, and the Mid Atlantic uh, uh, Equity Consortium. It is um, an awesome tool, and it was basically developed to offer district schools and teachers a way to develop kind of a more concrete understanding um, of what it means to practice um, equity. Next slide. And um, in just a little bit, it also has an update for COVID-19 and the criteria for that, and I think all schools right now um, need to make sure that they're doing Everything they can to help their staff because people are asking for PD. People are asking for um, help, um, and we need to find that help for them with these audits. What's enhance, enhancing your system, and what is keeping you back? You know the way I look at at equity. A lot of people think that equality and equity are the same and equality is, you know, I don't know if you've seen that fence and um, kids are on these boxes and they're all equal boxes, so some of them are shorter, some of them are taller that they can't see over the fence and and that's equality. But equity is giving those students the right box for their right height to see it if they're fence, And um, we're not there yet, but I'll tell you when we'll be there, when there is no fence and that fence is, is broken apart. You can see right through that. So if you go to the next slide, there is the, um, you can download um, this tool um, if you wanna download it and kind of save it or bookmark it. I think that would be um, awesome because like I said, it's a huge amount of learning and I can't get enough of it because what is it going to do? It's going to help our schools and our students in the long run.
1: And then it's a three-part tool uh, just to share with everyone. There's one to assess your leadership. So it's an equity audit of your leadership practices. It also is a school-wide cultural uh, equity audit. What's your school culture like? And if equity is emphasizing your school culture and then down to the classroom level where you do audits within your classrooms. This tool is free to everyone that is a member uh, and now anyone who's on here. So if you want to scan it, um, it is free for you all. Uh, Also, just to let you know, uh, NESP further uh, partner with MAE uh, with Mid-Atlantic Equity Consortium through doing a pilot study with 20 of our member schools and we are waiting in getting that research to share with you.
4: And next steps are going to go uh, to Denise. Denise.
3: As a result, uh, all the work that we have been uh, doing over the course of the time that we initially started the meeting, meetings with the task force, we came up with three next steps. And the first one, constructing criteria. Uh, It's really important that we have structures in place to make those important decisions Uh, and being informed so that we can make the right decisions. And uh, this is something that we—it really takes a lot of time so that we don't get caught up in being too hasty in terms of what we need to do when the time arises. Those difficult conversations, and this has come up quite a bit uh, in our presentation. Uh, We need to make sure that not only are we prepared as school leaders and teacher leaders as facilitators in order to drive those difficult and courageous conversations. As I've mentioned uh, before, This is exhausting work. It takes a lot out of you. So it's really best to not go into this alone. This is a team effort. And making sure that you take the time to plan out how you need to address bias and equity within the context of your setting. And I say this uh, quite often in Illinois, every district is different just like each of our homes it's very different and we need to carefully look at the context and to make those critical key decisions as to how we we need to address specific topics and yes it some folks Will not be, some educators will not be able to handle it, but it doesn't mean that we should step away. The bottom line is we must be courageous when we do this work. This is not, this work is not for the faint at heart. The last piece, building belonging, uh, and this uh, is really key we need to make sure and to ensure that not only do we affirm our students, but we want to affirm our staff as well as our principals. Uh, I can recall times going into particular and different settings and I'll use a personal experience um, with the Eleanor Principals Association. When I would go to the board meetings and membership chair meetings, I was the only person of color in the room when I would go to Springfield, Illinois. And uh, that was, you know, really stood out in 2019, 2018, when I first started attending the meetings. So we want to make sure that we affirm everyone that, It's evident that we feel that everyone has value. Uh, And that uh, expression, a quote that, I may not remember what you say to me, but I will always remember how you made me feel. Thank
1: you. So now Cynthia's gonna share with us some information. Um, I'm sorry. Um, resources are going to be shared by Annette
5: but I did want to chime in and just um, make just tell a personal story um, Dr. Burrell Um, you know we hear all the information we you're hearing it now and this task force has really helped me as a leader because you know this has been brought about because of the George Floyd, I mean, incident that happened. However, prior to that, I mean, it was a lot of injustices done, but I just want to share just something like personal for me, being a member of this task force and dealing with race and dealing with um, equality has just really helped me as a leader. I've been a principal here at Westside Elementary School for 13 years. Um, I have an assistant principal. She's a white female, and she this is her sixth year. I remember last year by being a, a member of this task force and just I rarely watch the news because it's so much negativity, but I had begun watching the news for about two days. And one night my my spirit was just not settled. And I'm um, just seeing the different things taking place. And I thought about it. I said, my assistant principal and I, we're together more than our own spouses, a lot of times our children, and we never talked about racism. We never talked about what is going on in the world. We work together. I mean, all over the news, everywhere, different people having conversations, but we're together and we never had that conversation. So I could not wait to get up to go to work the next day. I said, we have to talk about it. And the conversation, I remember going into her office, it was that morning. I said, Ashley, I said, do you know that all that's going on in the world, that you and I have never talked about race and injustices and why people feel the way they feel. And she turned red and she was like, I know. She said, but it doesn't feel good. And I don't like to talk about it. I said, that is the point. We don't talk about it. We have to begin having these crucial conversations because we all must seek to understand each other. A lot of people on this task force, they come with different backgrounds, different experiences, different um, cultures, but we are our experiences. We are. So if you have never had an experience with racism or injustices, pretty much you probably wouldn't understand or you'll say, well, why, why is it so important to them? I feel like this. But we are our experiences, so we had that um we began talking, and her husband is a police officer, he's a deputy sheriff, and so it was a lot of things going on with police brutality. I'm a former police officer myself, and you know, and I was asking her i said well ashley how- how do you feel and you know she said, she's afraid for her husband." different things that he has had to encounter. So, I mean, and, and we we talked about that. And um, when she addressed how uncomfortable it felt, but by time we ended our conversation, she was able to ask me questions about, you know, being an African-American, I, you know, and she was like, well, why is this? And she felt so relieved. She kept back to back, just asking me questions. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, I really did open up a can of worms. But it was awesome. It was awesome. And I say all of this because as leaders in our building, if we don't take that initial step, we're going to continue to have um, biases. And one thing about biases, as um, Annette said, we all have biases. Of course we do. Sometimes we think we don't, but we do. And another example of that was I needed an assistant principal for discipline. Well, two females, You could I when I went in there, I said, I'm getting me a man. I am getting me a male because I need for him to do this and to do that. I was already biased, but when I went in that interview and my current assistant principal now, she is a female um, because she had all the characteristics that I needed. And by being on this task force and trying to open up my mind to everybody, it was, she is absolutely the best person that I could have chosen because not only does she do do discipline, but she is instructionally sound. But had I kept that bias in place, getting that mail, you know, I could have gotten it, but I would not have gotten um, Miss Allen, who is absolutely the best. So just be, start those conversations because they have to be held. And I know a lot of this comes from the district level, but as leaders in your building, you need to address it no matter how small, if you do it in chunks, that's fine. But if we don't address it, that means we accept it. And then perception is reality in the minds who's doing the perceiving. So we have to um, remember that and be true to ourselves. And we owe it to our students. We owe it to our faculty and staff to seek to understand because do we want to change in the world? I'm sure everybody on this committee or um, this workshop, you want to see, you know, racial and injustices um, become better. You want to be change agents. Well, we have to change, and it starts with us, with leaders.
4: Thank you so much, um, Cynthia, and, and I agree, you know, we have to be able to speak freely um, mm-hmm. and be free to speak and, and not be fearless. Um, with, the, with that, we have so many resources. I'll tell you, um, in AESP, we have a various principal magazines um, and a lot of the magazines have to do with accessing equity and like this one is in math instruction,
3: mm-hmm. just some
4: a wide variety of great information. Um, a few uh, years ago, we we did uh, the principal's guide uh, to building responsive schools all of these are so awesome. And I'll tell you, I I get a lot of uh, leadership uh, strategies uh, from this and from some of these uh, resources about being conscientious, about building relationships, about uh, creating a library with research and uh, for staff, either virtual or, um, or hard book, uh, how to walk through classrooms, how to be courageous, how to speak to those things that you see and be open with your staff about speaking about. Them. And then seeking lead ambassadors in your school um, and being reflective and reevaluating. Um, if you'll go to the next slide with the principal's voices. Um, if you go through on the website and read through these, I got an, just some great information from these uh, principals voices and school equity and, and um, I got this book and I, I'm a book hoarder so I have to always share books. But this is called the sandwich swap. And it is really, really, uh, really good book about these two girls and them swapping out their sandwiches. It's good for your staff to read and it's good to, for kids on acceptance uh, of other students. Also this book called I Am Enough is an aw- awesome, great example that I got based on resources I got from the NASP website. Um, and I'm gonna share one more if you'll let me um Sophia Valdez future president is also a great book and I'm just I just feel that kids need books around them of people who look like them uh you know I remember being a uh, uh, young and there wasn't a lot of dolls that looked like me at that time and I was uh, you know I was I would get all these dolls and and I think it's very important I remember specifically my teacher and um it was close to 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 uh Christmas and I I had a beautiful teacher but she brought this doll and it was this doll that did not look like me and she's like oh look at this beautiful doll she has blue eyes she has and you know at that obviously she didn't mean anything by it but to me I was like you know what about me and I think we have to think about that when we think about kids you know uh We need to show them dolls that look like them. And like I said, the resources on NASP are amazing. And I would suggest that you go down to the website and look at all the things that the principals from across our nation are asking what they're talking about, uh, because ultimately it's going to help your students.
1: Right, and these are some of the uh, articles and, and blog posts from members of this task force, um, and also uh, principals in the field, and members of the Center um, for Leadership, NESP Center for Leadership in the uh, Women and uh, uh, Leadership and Diversity and, uh, and Equity Leaders um, that are fellows with NESP. So, if, as Annette said, if you get to, if you will go to the website, and uh, even if you do a search on equity. These resources will come up for you, and um, our, our colleagues are giving us some uh, additional resources and strategies and just discussions on how to promote equity within your schools. So we've come to the part of our presentation where we are open to taking any questions you may have I didn't get to look at the chat while we were presenting so there may be some questions in the chat that we can take a look at Um, but we are uh, very excited that we get to have discussion with you and so any questions you may have we'd be happy to to answer
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much to uh, all of you for sharing your time and all of the expertise you've developed over the last year and a half. Um, really, really important work um, that I'm happy we're sharing with more people here in Washington. So yeah, I will open the floor to uh, our principals out there who I hope have some great questions. So you could raise your hand if, and I can see it better that way. Um, you can ask in the chat if you'd like to do it that way.
6: I'll ask a quick question, if that's okay, Roz. Sure. Yes, um, just, wonder, just wondering, you know, um, everyone is, um, I, I think lots of um, districts have really launched into um, um, equity work at, you know, varying degrees. Um, how, as a school leader, um, is this something that you could be working on in your school if you have the courage and, and have the brave space and culture to be able to talk about these things? Um, or is this something that you should be doing, um, working with your district office team? What would be the best way to have or to start that conversation if your system isn't where you'd like it to be? I think you
1: should do both. Um, I work in a school district that is the majority are minorities in our school district, um, but there is still a great deal of inequity in our system uh, because of traditions and in our, especially in our city. Uh, our city is pretty polarized when it comes to race um, and it definitely has to be addressed. Within our schools, I can make all kinds of changes. We focused on, um, on our students' understanding that they are global leaders. So we address those some global leader traits. They're inclusive of all cultures. However, uh, it, that's one school. That is one, comp, that is one change. Um, and so our district has developed uh, a department of equity, which I think most districts are starting to do, but that is also one person. So without partnering with schools across our district, it can't happen. So we do both. Um, our our district hosts meetings and trainings for our community and for our school teachers and leaders. And so with that partnership, it helps to expand our reach because, again, my school is one school, but if we partner together across our, our city and across our our county, uh, it will make an impactful change um, within this area of our state. So I think both is important.
5: And I also think that, you know, as a leader, as a principal in your building, that you can have professional learning centered around cultural diversity or cultural responsive responsiveness because, you know, those are the buzzwords now. So we need to do that. Um, And then hopefully it will, you know, go a little further within your district. But at least as leaders, we do have to take the responsibility and those discussions will be held if we have professional learning centered centered around them. And also um, what um, Annette showed about the different books and our media centers, making sure that our students have access to those books around different cultures. So you know, it's a it's, there are some things that we can do,
2: and I guess I would like to share that you know I had um one of our one of our our white principals in a smaller community, um, he had called me regarding our uh, racist issues that had happened, and and one of one of his um. Uh, one of his buildings, where there were students that had um that were basically uh drawing a picture of a noose around around the neck of one of their uh, one of their black students and you know he and and we we had a we had such a great conversation because he's like well what what can I do especially you know a a white male of privilege what can i do and it was like Oh my goodness. Okay, thank you for asking me that question because it's like I said there there is so much you can do because you have you really truly have the power. And I said the first thing you need to do is make sure that you you're the one that stands up and says this is wrong. This will not happen on my watch. This is absolutely wrong. You've got to be the one that, that really sets that boundary because otherwise people are going to think that, oh, we can, we can continue to scaring the limited out of people and, and brushing them off and um, leading them to become another statistic. But how about you stand, stand up there and say, no, no more stop the nonsense. And, you know, um, thank goodness we, he and I have a a really good relationship. So we were able to go, go through that. I was able to talk him through all the things that he needs to do in terms of looking at it from the perspective of the family, not just the perspective of, oh, you know, how do, how do I protect myself? No, 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 no. This is about standing up for for students and standing up for what's right. And that's, that's a, that's a huge conversation. And you get some um, people that are in districts that are, you know predominantly white and it's like well well we don't we don't really have that issue it's like really have you asked have you asked your parents have you asked your students because you know i get the whole th- same thing well i don't think it's a very i don't think it's very racist around here it's like yes but how many how many days have you have you walked this community as a person of color it's like you're you're correct you none so therefore, you've got to, you have to take a different perspective on what it is that, you, that you're aware of. You only know what you know. So st- stop and ask a few questions.
3: I'd like to add a little bit more in terms of, uh, in regard to what Nancy just shared. Uh, we all come into our situations from different experiences. And until you walk in someone else's shoes, you really don't know. And yes. Uh, It means being courageous. But if we don't take a stand, we will fall for any and every thing. And yes, it's it's lonely. It's lonely. But when you do the right thing, the courage, you will gain the courage as well as the other supports that you need to do what's right.
0: Yeah. Thank you.
3: Thanks for posting
0: that, that chat in there, Casey too. I had a white male principal. I put that in the chat, right. To say, we we've got to do something as principals. We need to be the ones. And it reminds me of the good trouble principals group, uh, Nancy in Minnesota that I've seen. And so I said to him, you know, this is and you know, he told the Bettina love story and his uh, message to me and, you know, it's up to us. We've got to leave this charge. And, and he, fully understands his position as a white male leader but um we all need to lean in and how can we collect ourselves around this work and i I so appreciate the work your task force has done and sharing resources and taking some steps and there's such a continuum of personally learning and leaning in and then spreading that outward to our building as leaders in our district and to our state Um, we've got lots of policy that's been enacted in our state around this Um, But how do we take all of these steps? And I'll, I don't, Leila. I don't want to put you on the spot, but we also connect a lot with our student leaders. And one of my quick questions is how you connect with students around this work. How do you involve them in that, in the race and equity work in your buildings? Because we're very tightly connected to our student leadership association. Um, And, you know, they're, they've very clearly said, we, we have to have the relationships before we're going to, you know, with our teachers and with our leaders before we're going to really engage in this, but they sure want to, and the kids know exactly what uh, they want to talk about and all of that. So I just love maybe a comment or two around that. I think
4: too, uh, just the main thing is uh, students are very, very genuine. Um, so I think the main thing is not only building that, but Even even from a four year old's perspective about talking about kindness, you can bring in also equity and equality through that. Because, like I said, it starts when you're young in order to change generations. And I think the main thing is just being real with students, talk to them. I think a lot of the time, uh, people For some reason, when all that happened with George Floyd, and I'll tell you, it it really hit close to home because I was at the same college George Floyd was in Kingsville, Texas, at Texas A&M Kingsville. And I remember um, seeing him play basketball out there with my cousins. Um, And I'll tell you, it it brought a lot of conversation, but secret conversations. It was not opened. Uh, People were not talking about it to kids. And guess what? that was wrong. We needed to bring it out and say, hey, this is what happened. This is what humanity should be like. We need to look at that. And we need to talk to kids because I'll tell you, kids are more more genuine than anyone else. They will tell you the truth. They will ask the right questions. But we have to open up that conversation and guide them uh, to make sure that, like I said, we're changing a generation because we have to start from the very tiniest
7: to the oldest child. I'm just so glad that you brought that up, Roz. I've, I've been taking notes like I'm a little frenzy um, because I'm working on, you know, implicit bias, trend, you know, recent area conversations, like talking about equity, talking about bias and ways of handling microaggressions in the classroom. So people come to that in different ways. Right? It's like for teachers, but it's had it in, you know, it it prompts you to take a, a just to pause, have some mindfulness and think about who is in your school, like what you know what are the demographics do you know them anymore like what identities are showing up so really pausing to take a look at a lot of identity awareness um but I really appreciate it um I can't remember who said it but have you asked your students yet that's like our main thing that we say like whenever principals will have an issue or something that don't know what to do well have you asked your students and then they're like what you know so I like to think of it it's it's really great because you don't have to have all the answers um you just can be like, hey, here's what, I, it's that that transparency and decision making, right? Of like, bottling I don't know. I'm an adult and I, I really don't know. Two, you all are experts at being students in your school. So like, what's going on? Um, how do you see this? What would you like? So asking your students and having them involved in the conversation has been so incredible and so beautiful. And every time I leave a meeting with them, I'm just like, well, I thought I knew a thing or two, but clearly I don't. They know what's going on. They'll say it, just like you said, they will tell you straight up. So yeah. Yeah, I think students being a part of this is really um, crucial, so I just appreciate all of your all's perspective, um, and we've been doing really great elementary programming, so I just, I love being in elementary schools, but
1: anyway. There was a question about resources for families. Are there some that you can share? Ooh, yes.
7: Wow.
1: Let me, yeah, l- let me look, because we keep
7: a list, so resources for families, yeah, um, and I will get that out to you all. Um we try to. We always are adding to our website of like different resources. So I will. I'll look and see because you're right. Families are an important conversation. You know, too. Of I like the the point of like think about it from the student perspective, the family perspective, the community. You know, it's empathy building. It's realizing that your story isn't the only one that exists. So yes, I will look at them. Oh, another thing, you all mentioned equity audit. And we did. We did have students create an equity audit. Um, We have two student cohort groups that we. I just presented them the draft presentation I want to do as part of equity and got their feedback, and they like had great feedback. Um, That's where I found out about the importance of. Well, we know the importance of relationship building, but um, they were like, "You can't do identity work if the teachers and I don't have rapport." And we're like, "Yes, you're right." Um, But yeah, they created an equity audit, so I would love to share that out too if anyone's interested. It's student created for students for principals. um, From their perspective, I have a quick
6: question because sometimes I wonder when we um, come together as a group of leaders here in um, the state of Washington. Does everybody on the screen know what AWSL is as a school leader and how to access those resources and how they can partner with school leaders to get more student voice involved in in the work because by the way we're outnumbered by children so Let's put them to work and let's get their good information. And uh, so Layla or Roz, do you
0: wanna talk just a little bit about that or maybe even Shelly? Yeah, I'll let Layla do that. I just added the student equity guide that students uh, that we published through uh, AWSL in 2020, it's on our website and there's some other resources um, as well related to equity. But this is, you know, from student voice, this was kind of an, an equity work and the Association of Washington Student Leaders resides in our principals foundation. So the work they do, the work that happens at CISBIS, the work in outdoor education, all of that resides in our foundation as principals. So we have AWSP as our association, then we have principal foundation. So Layla, if you want to add more to that. Yeah.
7: Oh, yeah. Thanks, Ross. And thanks for sharing that out. Yes, please do check us out. Um, we love to do work for y'all and for students. Um, so we're, you know, we offer a lot of resources and support. Our, our main mission is to elevate student voice and encourage student empowerment and student engagement. Um, and so we support students and we support adults who are also empowering students or holding space for students to feel empower, empowered. So, um, yeah, um, we do So since it's elementary, you know, peeps out there, we do have um, reimagining recess. So basically it's like, well, you are saying that kids are ready for this kind of discussion and teachers in elementary schools, you know, need to realize that, that they can talk about inclusivity or, um, you know. Equity in their own way. I love that you shared out those books, but reimagining recess is um, all about how to make recess um, more inclusive and to bring those kind of mindfulness and inclusive game play. Or just really, it's teaching facilitation skills of meeting your group where they are. Um, keeping a pulse on how your kiddos are doing and meeting them where they're at um, and shifting as they need maybe not your agenda maybe it's not how you plan the class but shift what they need Um, so it's been really fun it's just a really fun time so check that out but yeah take a look at our website and um, you can sign up for membership check out our um, programs we've got going on and definitely email me for any questions I would love to chat to anyone about anything
0: AWSL related Fantastic. Well, Dr. Kimberl Barbosa Lewis and team, we have been so honored that you spent um, time with us this morning. What a nice way to rise up. See, it's even getting light out here now. It's finally getting light out in the dark little Northwest corner that I live in, in Olympia. It's getting light out finally. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for all of the work you've done across the country, uh, leading voices on race and equity and continuing those hard, emotionally draining conversations. But to all of you, Nancy and Annette and Cynthia and Denise.
1: uh, Wow. Thank you very much. Thank you. It has been our honor to be here with you. also, everyone, please be sure to reach out to us. Um, as I said, members of the task force represent every area, every zone in the country. We meet monthly and mm-hmm. your feedback and your ideas are welcome. Uh, we, we're meeting this afternoon. So we meet monthly and we are our, our responsibility is to serve you. And so please feel free to reach out to us. Uh, thank you so much for having us today.
2: Thanks for listening. To catch all of our episodes, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can watch AWSP TV and our other great video content. If you have ideas for guests or topics you'd like to hear about, shoot me an email at david at awsp.org. We'll do our best to make it happen. On behalf of all of us at AWSP, we hope you tune in again.